Welcome back to another episode of Tales from Corporate, hosted by Maria and Elise. Each week, we bring you our tales and perspectives on trending topics around work in corporate America, because life can often truly be stranger than fiction. Be sure to share Tales from Corporate. Listen, download, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This week's tale is about When the Wall Hits You. How do we cope? How do we manage when you have tried your best, you have prioritized until you can prioritize no more, and things just seem to fall off the table or fall apart? How do you manage that? And before we go and really start telling tales, we'd like to acknowledge some of our listeners. Apparently, we have listeners in the Midwest, in Wyoming, Cheyenne, Wyoming, uh, that are showing up on the map. Also the Bay Area of California, Los Angeles, listeners in Florida, Pennsylvania, South Jersey, and New York. So we'd like to say thank you for listening. And also to our international listeners in Ghana, Kenya, Spain, and Malaysia. So thank you. And now my partner, Maria. Thank you, Elise, and thank you again to all of our wonderful listeners. We are excited to have with us here in the studio a good friend of ours, the impressive Dr. Portia Preston. Dr. Portia, as we lovingly call her, she is a professor at Cal State Fullerton, and she has given a number of retreats, workshops, talks, including a handful of TED Talks. Check out her awesome website. And she is a specialist spending many years, not only in industry on the corporate side, but turning to academia and focusing on wellness, self-care, and leadership. And we're really excited to have her because she's going to bring her research and her um, experiences and her conversations with the folks that have come to her for her expertise, many of whom are working in the corporate space. So with that, I'll turn it over to Dr. Portia. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what led you to this work? Sure. So first of all, I'm so honored to be here in this space. Um, When I heard you introduce the title for today, it, it just felt right in my spirit because that's exactly what happened. I hit the wall. And so I'd like to take you back a few years to when I was finishing my doctorate. I had um, previously worked in corporate America and I made the decision to go back after grad school. And just about the time that I was finishing my coursework and defending my dissertation, well, that's really the stage I was in, um, I had a doctor who said, hey, you should get checked out before you leave here. And a few months prior, I'd had what I thought was I don't know, just pain in my organs. And at that day I got passed off as, oh, you seem to be dehydrated. <laughs> Here's some Gatorade, go lay down. And so fast forward, I'm finishing um, defending my dissertation and I go to the doctor for this checkout and they said, oh, we should run a few numbers. You have some tests that were high and some numbers that were high, we need to run a test. And so I ended up in the last couple of weeks of grad school going through testing that eventually led to diagnosis of a chronic disease. And so my re-entry to corporate America was having been re-diagnosed, recently diagnosed with a chronic disease. 
And so what led me to this work of self-care was really having to go through the ringer firsthand and realize that the practices that led me into these spaces, not only were they not going to sustain me, but they were actually going to destroy me. Wow, Dr. Portia, that is so you know, resonant with me. I think um, we bonded over the years in terms of having this great work ethic, but facing the reality that if we didn't take care of our physical situation, our needs, our emotional needs, our physical needs, our, what our bodies are telling us, then we couldn't perform no matter how hard we tried and kept trying. So talk to us a little bit about what you're seeing today in terms of folks who, young professionals who they're really giving it, they're all, a lot of times they're told you, you got to pay your dues. You no pay, no gain, all of these things. And of course, if you're an organization, you, you, human capital is there to do the work. So what would you say about this drive for success, especially with amongst type A people, which all of us on this podcast are, what would you say to those type A people who aren't tuning in to themselves and they didn't have that reckoning, that hard diagnosis that you did. I would say to be mindful that just because you aren't manifesting and displaying certain symptoms right now doesn't mean that there isn't a narrative taking place within your body. It may not immediately show up as a condition, but you might start to feel things that you haven't felt before. And you might initially just say, oh, that's normal. Everyone gets a little pain here or everyone starts to feel this way as they get older. But from what I've seen in many people's lives play out is this ability to avoid the signs, to disregard them until it's too late. And then wanting to find this magical solution in the medical field that is going to somehow unwind the years of abuse we put in on our bodies. So I would say that no one is immune from the tale that we're sharing today. That, Dr. Portia, makes all the sense. However, there are many people who they're taking care of not only the pay that they're bringing in for, to cover themselves, they're not only working for themselves, they're working to take care of a family, they're the model professional for, but they are, they're the first in their family to be in corporate. They're the first in their family to graduate from any kind of college. They're the first to excel, get a graduate, whatever it is. There's this great pressure to keep going and not listen to those signs. So the business about self-care, especially, and I've had this conversation with a lot of professional women, seems almost like just one more thing that an already overwhelmed person has to take care of. We entitle this when the wall hits you, not when you hit the wall. <laughs> I think particularly this season, I know a lot of you can relate. There are just those days or weeks or months that you are just, not only are you on E, but it just feels like everything is trying to bowl you over or slap you down. So then here you come. <laughs> and I think the world of you, but you're giving us just one more thing to do. So speak on it. 
So thank you for that. And in order to get to the second uh, part of your question, I have to go back to the first part. And that is this phenomenon of being the first among your peers or in your family to be in a corporate setting because we've internalized a narrative when it comes to productivity. And what a lot of people don't see is that for many of us, there's this fine line that we all felt like we were dancing growing up where if we made one error, all of the opportunities in the world were going to close. And so here we are policing ourselves, trying to do everything right. And we get into this culture that has unspoken rules, which you've spoken to on this podcast before, this hidden curriculum that we're trying to navigate. And it seems that anything that pertains to your comfort or your ease is lighting up on the gas pedal. And if you do that, you're not going to make it in. So I think it's doubly hard. In academia, I always talk about this, like what is the experience of scholarship at the margins? Trying to pursue this when you don't have all of the capital and understanding and connections. So I think it's especially difficult. Add to that, that in many cultures, this idea of caring for yourself is seen as lazy and it's not putting food on the table. It's not helping your family. So in order to prioritize yourself, I say not so much that you have to rid yourself to the guilt. You have to come to terms with the guilt that will always be there because you are going to look different. And it's happening whether you like it or not. Many of us go away to college, come back to the community, and don't feel like we really fit in the same anymore. So if you've already been experiencing that, one more thing to make you feel like you're different. But in this case, think of it as your safety device to make sure that you don't drown. And I think we all don't have to go too far to find a cautionary tale of someone who has really sacrificed their health on the way to the top. And what you find is that no matter what promotion they got, that money will never replace what they've lost in terms of health and relationships. So I invite people not so much to think immediately, oh, now I have to make time for self-care. I would say the first step is to really understand what is my priority in this stage of my life? And how do I protect that priority? For me, self-care is a foundational part of making sure that I sustain my journey so that I not only get the positions I want to, but I'm able to thrive and serve other people. We can't be present. We can't move along our culture, our race, anything meaningful like that if we are becoming martyrs in the process. So Dr. Portia, I sometimes feel like, I don't know if it's a phenomena related when you talk about wellness and cultural uh, differences or views on this topic. We come from a culture where I think sometimes it's seen as being selfish, but at the same time, I found that like whenever in life you have a major milestone coming up or there's a lot of flux, it's always like feast or famine. You can have many quiet days and then all of a sudden it ratchets up and you just have a lot going on. I don't know if that's fortune or the world or the universe, but Sometimes it just is a lot. It's coming from work. It's coming from family. It's coming from relationships um, and friendships. What do you think about that? That it sometimes it seems to just, it never is a nice ebb and flow. It's always in mass. Or is that just my life? <laughs> I just wanted to know what you thought, Dr. Portia, about the, sometimes it feels like everything or everyone is acting up at the same time. You're definitely not alone in this experience. This happens to me all the time. And I always tell people that 
I don't consider myself to be an expert in the traditional sense, as in I've had this all figured out. I would be lying. <laughs> I'm more so an expert in that I am obsessed with finding the answers. So I wouldn't have to look further than two days ago or even yesterday to say the last time that I felt like my priorities were tackling me literally chasing me down the field and making sure that I just like go out of the lines and don't come back and try again. And that's because we get into a habit of saying yes for various reasons. Sometimes it's the scope of our role. Sometimes we want to be an easy person to work with. And sometimes we literally don't realize what we're doing to ourselves. And that was me in the latter case. I didn't realize how many things I said yes to until I had to sit down and figure out how they were all going to work out. And so what happens for me, the first time I really remember this happening, I was in college and I said, I need to stop every single club that I'm in just for a moment. And once I put everything down, I can make sense of what has to be picked back up. But why does it seem like I'm everywhere doing everything? I'm pretty sure I don't have to do all of this. So what does that look like for me now? I think about it this way. There's a lot of balls in your life let's say in your hands, okay? You're holding all these different things you're responsible for. And I try to figure out which are made of rubber and which are made of glass. Because if I drop a ball that's made of glass, I will never get it back. But the balls that are made out of rubber will bounce back. So it's not a matter of tackling all your priorities or your to-do list. It's a matter of having enough awareness of yourself to understand when you're starting to get really passive aggressive or angry or not taking care of yourself. Those are your warning signs. What can I begin to change? The past of the matter is if you were gone tomorrow, everything on your list would get handled or it would go undone. But for some reason, we act like the duty we have with our living breath is to make sure that nothing ever gets left undone. And that is sorely out of focus. I, I feel that we are torturing ourselves, honestly, because we've been taught a system that was really about maximizing profit. It was never about our well-being. And it's our job to be in control of our well-being. We can still have these jobs, we can still run these businesses, but we need to get serious about the fact that we are human beings with soft-shelled bodies who have needs. So taking a step back, I want to ask you, you've been in, I alluded to before, you've been in this space, you've worked on both, you've worked within corporate as well as you've studied corporate. What got us to this point? So how did wellness become something that attracted corporate attention in the first place to be worth investing in? And how have you seen that change over the last, say, 10 years that you've been working in this space? This is a great question, and I'm going to try to give you a response from my own perspective. So I, I don't think this is factual, but in my mind, I think wellness came into play because of optics. I think that when you are recruiting someone to a company, hearing that it's one of the top places to work for is very attractive to people who might ultimately want to start a family. The problem is that no one ever had to prove by metrics that they were actually producing the life that you thought you were buying into. And as long as you had enough financial responsibilities to keep you there, they never actually had to follow through. 
So what I'm trying to say is that the culture that is advertised and that gets written up in publications may be very different from the day-to-day experience of the employees. And I think the original aim with the wellness programs was that we were going to produce a return on investment and people were going to be healthier. We didn't quite achieve that. And so it kind of went away. And I think that a lot of companies are still sitting down to this question of, does it really make sense to take care of my employees? Won't that slow down my profits? So I think we have a lot of people that are skeptical at this point, unless they've truly bought into this idea that their employees, their workforce is their best investment. And that when they're able to sustain and retain their high performers, they will ultimately benefit not only that organization, but the community around them and the larger ecosystem that they play into. So Dr. Portia, you're basically saying that wellness kind of supports attrition and retention models or keeping people good talent or good quality talent in the workplace? It can if it's utilized properly, but unfortunately, a lot of the high performers that you get into these positions don't actually want to do that because they feel like they're sacrificing their performance. So if you're in an industry where it is prioritized to go as hard as you can, as long as you can, you have to show people a model that is satisfying to them. And I think that a lot of people think, well, you know what, if I neglect the self-care, I will get to this goal position. And once I'm there, I will be able to afford to take care of myself. And of course, we all know that that's not necessarily the case. So Dr. Portia, interestingly enough, you say that because one of the steps I took with wellness, if you will, was relocating from New York to Los Angeles. I know that can be controversial to some of the listeners, but yeah, that was a step in wellness, a big one for myself. Two other things that I realized that were antithesis, I guess, or opposites of wellness would be my old habit, which I'm proudly like reformed in Procrastinators Anonymous. (laughs) I used to be terrible with that. It used to put me in this loop of being super anxious all the time, if you will, and also time boxing activities. But I think you can always get better. So Dr. Portia, what I'm saying is, what other things can we lean on or are there pillars that we could utilize to help us be more mindful, aware, and really handle wellness, if you will, Dr. Portia? Well, I can definitely speak to my own experience and what was most transformational for me. So I mentioned um, at the beginning of our time together that I was diagnosed with a chronic illness probably about two months before I started my job, I think one month. And I was about six weeks in when I had a major health event at the client. And it was a really scary experience and the recovery was not easy. I had several periods of disability leave. And at the end of the day, I was left feeling very differently in my body than I had before. So my path to caring for myself came through learning what I call mindful self-compassion. This was developed by Kristen Neff and there's three components. The first one is just to have this sense of mindful awareness, just being aware of your thoughts, your feelings, your emotions, and how you're responding to different events. The second is to understand that what you are experiencing is common to the human race. So we call it common humanity. You are not the only person to make this mistake. You are not the only person to feel overwhelmed. And the third is kindness, treating yourself as you would a friend. And I think that a lot of my ability to advocate for myself, to ask for the resources that I need, to 
really use some of the skills that you were talking about. We can we can plan things all day and then avoid those plans. But when do we actually start to have a shutdown ritual and embrace that I can't work a 12 hour day sustainably every day of the week? That's when we're actually looking at our own well-being. So that has been my foundational skill. And I think the other thing I would offer is to stay curious about your journey and to understand that the route that was modeled for you in your industry may not actually be in your best interest. Wow. Okay. That's pretty deep. And mm, that's called really being aware, being aware of yourself, being aware of yourself and your surroundings, where you can put yourself sometimes into bad work experiences. And actually, sometimes I get more objective, Dr. Porsche. I don't know if that's good or bad. And I don't personalize sometimes when things don't go the way that I want them to in the workplace. I have a lot of less stress about that. But I will say another thing that gave me freedom, Dr. Porsche, and I don't know if that speaks to wellness, that used to kind of come with the procrastination, if you will, was not being very direct. Like I used to really indulge in a lot of passive aggressive behavior. Uh, culturally, it was supported. <laughs> you always are raised to be a nice young lady and you don't say things like that and you don't do things like that and you don't move in the world a certain way. At the other hand of growing up in America, I realized that sometimes if I just say what I want, I, there's a freedom in that. And then I also don't feel robbed because I said what I needed. And if it's not recognized, I, I'm not holding on in the same way. I don't know if that makes any sense, Dr. Porsche, because I feel like it went hand in hand with the anxiety and the anxiety attacks I used to suffer with and also with the procrastination. It was like a terrible loop of never being able to say like, I can't deliver that in that time frame. That's not sufficient. But it used to increase my anxiety about situations and interactions, feeding that beast and making it more, making me more sick in essence, or being stressed out, grinding my teeth at night. <laughs> it manifests, I will say stress manifests itself in different ways. So I was going to say, what do you have to say for people as far as the things that they can grasp? Sometimes wellness as a methodology. It's just this abstract thing. And I feel that people can apply it to their everyday lives in a certain way and see the value right in their health, Dr. Porsche. So you started off by talking about the passive aggressiveness and these patterns that come up for you when you're in a certain situation. And so what I work with people, I always start with visiting their foundation, understanding your story with the understanding that this can be triggering for some of your listeners. You've had certain lifelong experiences that have formed the way that you respond to stress. So if you're in a work environment and someone challenges you, you may be responding to a trigger that comes from an earlier stage of your life that has very little to do with that person. Similarly, if someone comes at me in a certain way, I know, okay, they're not necessarily coming at me. They're coming at what I represent to them in their mind. So I say all of that to say mindfulness is about being able to get this pause between how you feel in the moment and what your reaction is. When X happens, I typically Y. And that comes from what we've learned. So what we're doing it here is we're trying to figure out a better way based on the results that we want to get. And one of the challenges that I have as a Black woman is this idea that any display of emotion whatsoever will be taken out of context and you will be made into an angry Black woman. I don't have the answer to that. That's what it is sometimes. I'm not a wallflower, but I'm happy with the way that I carry myself generally. 
when I'm out of line, I try to acknowledge it and I try to take responsibility for it. But then I try to go back to myself and say, okay, what put you into a situation where you were feeling so stressed that you began to micromanage or you lashed out? And I want to try to address that behavior and give myself what I need. So self-care is about caring for yourself in a way that you can show up for the responsibilities that you've committed to in your life that are hopefully in line with your values. So if I were to say just to leave with a very neat step, first of all, it's just getting some awareness around yourself. When I have stress, how do I typically respond? And what is my actual need in that moment? I may be responding by eating comfort food, but that's not actually solving the issue. So if we can get to the root of it and give ourselves the resources that we need, we can find healthier ways to cope. That is going to be really useful for the next time. The wall hits me. I'd love the discussion about mindfulness and we could go on all day long. But for now, I'm going to thank Dr. Portia. I cannot wait to have you back on the show again. And, and actually, I'm going to mention how we started this recording. Before we started the show, we did a break of meditation where... Dr. Portia did guided meditation so we could all just have several beats because it life was just much too much for Maria, Elise, and Dr. Portia individually this week. But just taking even five minutes to connect and hopefully try some of these techniques, it could be a game changer. Remember to always advocate for yourself because if you don't, no one else will. And to the listeners that have been overlooked, have overstayed, are complacent, or just plain unhappy, free yourself. Good luck and Godspeed till the next episode. Remember to download, follow, share, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And please feel free to leave us a review.